Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Well, great. Well, welcome again to RUF, our last large group of the year. Um, Guys, this is super exciting. We have an alumni in our midst. We have uh, new students. We have students who've been abroad joining us. This is uh, really, really cool. So thank you all for making the time to to be here. Um, Say hello to your parents and family and cats and dogs and um, glad they can join us as well. Um, While we're wrapping up Galatians, we've kind of continued in that track and it's really hard to wrap up this book. But if there's one thing that sticks that Paul wants us to get in the book of Galatians, it's about the gospel. Now the gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, right? We've been driving home the gospel in terms of what it is, its theological content, etc., etc. And right in this last chapter, we're kind of driving home the implications of the gospel. So we want to talk about that tonight. Um, I didn't know this, but it wasn't until 1290 the 13th century, the last part of the 13th century, that eyeglasses were invented, according to most sources. It was in Pisa, Italy. Can you imagine being the first person who had poor eyesight to test out these eyeglasses, this new invention, and for the first time being able to clearly see the face of your wife, uh, the details on trees, uh, the details and colors of a sunset, Uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, all of these things come into view and you're able to see more clearly. And so what the gospel does to us, it's like putting on glasses for the first time. It allows you to see the entire world in a different way. It changes the way we see things. I want to look at three ways that it changes our vision. First, it changes how we see others. Second, it changes how you see yourself. And third, it changes how you see God. So how does the gospel change how we see others? Well, if the gospel is, begins with the bad news that we're all sinners and that Jesus is the answer, Jesus is uh, God's plan for salvation to save us by grace, to rescue us from destruction, then we should view all people with empathy and compassion. Where am I getting this? In verses one and two, he says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in gentleness. In verse two, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what he's talking about here is people who have fallen into sin. And now a human way to respond to somebody who's clearly fallen into the sin, especially if it's blatant blatant and public, is to look down on them. I would never do that. That would not be something I would be so stupid to do, especially not get caught doing, right? But if we're viewing through the lens of the gospel, we see other people who sin, and we say, that person is just like me. And what we can do is we can go to that person, say, you know what, Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, you are forgiven. And you can restore them. You can take away the shame. You can help them be restored to the fellowship of a church or a Christian community. 
This is a really awesome implication of the gospel. I think one way this, um, sometimes uh, it would be helpful if it played out more this way, I think, in our, in our community and in our churches, is that a lot of times people are bearing burden of sin on their own shoulders by themselves. And maybe their sin is secret sin. It's sin that maybe no one would know about. No one would know what they're thinking, what they're feeling in their heart, what they're doing in private when no one knows. And I think part of what bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling this new law, this law of Christ, is sharing with other trusted believers and saying, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. And the amazing thing that happens is your load gets lighter. That battle that you were waging between you and sin, between you and the devil, it all of a sudden becomes easier. You have a partner. You have someone battling alongside you and helping you. And that's how we do the Christian life, by bearing each other's burdens, by seeing everyone as undergoing some sort of struggle. We all have different struggles, but we're all struggling with sin. Another implication that we see in verses 9 and 10, and another way we can bear each other's burdens, is that we can do good to one another. It says, do not grow tired of doing good. I think it's hard to think about how do we do good to one another when we're separated, we're social distancing. How do we digitally do good, you know? Um, It says, don't grow tired of it. I think it means that at all times, we should be doing good. I think now is a time doing good takes a little bit more initiative. It takes reaching out to someone, texting them, messaging them, saying, hey, how's it going? Is there anything you need? Is there any way I can help? There's a story in the Gospels about this man who was um, crippled. He could not walk, and he was lying beside this pool. And this pool, supposedly, if you get in it and it's stirred, certain healing properties occur, or, you know, there are different kind of almost mythological uh, things attributed to this certain pool. And Jesus shows up to this pool and he sees this man who's on this mat and crippled. And he asks him, do you want to be well? And immediately his response is, well, I have no one to help me into the pool. And Jesus says, get up, take your mat and walk. What Galatians 6 is teaching us is that we do have people to help us. The question is not, are there others who are willing to help? Are there others who God has put in your life to help you in your battle against sin, to help you with whatever need you may have? The question is, do we actually want to be well? We need to take that initiative. Go to people, talk to your Christian friends about your sin. Everyone's struggling. Everyone is struggling. And when we see other sin or when we hear other people confess sin to us, we shouldn't act shocked. We shouldn't, uh, you know, be like, oh my goodness, how could you ever do that? No, we respond with empathy. We respond with compassion because that person is just like us, if we're honest. So this is the new way we view other people. We view them as fellow sinners, fellow people in battle against sin, and we can respond with compassion and with grace and mercy, just like God has to us. So the second thing, how does the gospel change the way you see 
yourself. Well, the gospel, we've talked about some corporate uh, implications of the gospel. What, what about the individual? Both are important. The gospel says that we each as individuals have sinned. Not just in terms of like, oh yeah, we've all sinned. But we as individuals have sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. In verses 4 and 5, it's kind of surprising because it almost sounds like it's contradicting itself at first. It says, let each one test his own work, for each will have to bear his own load. There's a great TV show. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, Meghan Markle plays one of the characters in it. It's called Suits. Anybody, anybody seen it? It's great. It's great. Well, I'm going to give away a little bit. I apologize. The statute of limitations has passed on this. But there's this, the main character's name is Mike Ross. And he's this young guy who's a whiz kid. He's a genius. And he helps people take the LSAT. And he could probably whiz, you know, just go through the bar exam. And he's just like, you know, photographic memory, total genius. And he gets hired to be a lawyer in this high-powered law firm in New York City. And the whole time, he is not a licensed lawyer. And eventually, the law finds him out. You know, the law comes down on his shoulders. It catches up with him. And he's shown to be a fraud. Now, where am I going with this? Each of us need to believe the gospel for ourselves. One of the temptations in Christian community is to feel spiritual, is to feel like you are growing in your faith because you're around other people growing in their faith. One way this can happen is if if you really like to help people, If you really like to help people understand God's word, maybe you can lead Bible studies. Maybe you can explain scripture really well. And it makes you feel like you're growing in your faith because of that. But I would ask you, have you believed the gospel for yourself? Right now, between you and God, who is Jesus to you? Do you know Jesus? Do you believe that he is your savior for your particular sins? And that when he was dying on the cross, he was thinking of you. This is something that all of us have to do. This is what it means to to bear our own load. We can't just rely on the proximity of other people who seem enthusiastic and excited about their faith. We have to ask ourselves, where am I? I have to ask myself, where am I in relation to Jesus? Who is Jesus to me? We have to take responsibility in a sense. We have to be brutally honest before God. At the end of the day, that's what matters, is where are you in your relationship with God? Third, the gospel changes how we view God our natural way to view God. And maybe that that second point where I was like, you need to get alone with God and ask what's going on. Take stock, right? Maybe it fills you with a, a certain apprehension or fear or anxiety. And that might be because our natural way to view God is that he needs us to make ourselves better, to clean up before he accepts us. 
Maybe you're saying, well, I'm not ready to get alone with God and have that conversation. Maybe it's because you feel like you still have work to do on yourself and you're trying to be presentable, excuse me, uh, towards him. But the thing that Paul is arguing throughout the entire book of Galatians is that this kind of religious work is antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the way in chapter 6, Paul illustrates this. He, he talks about the, those who desire Gentiles to be circumcised, to take on this Old Testament law uh, as a symbol in their bodies. It says in verse 13, they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They boast in something they've done, right? In verse 14, Paul says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the thing he can boast in. Why? Because a new creation matters, not modifying old creation. He says this in verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're Jew and circumcised or non-Jew and uncircumcised. That doesn't matter. What matters is do you have new creation? Are you a new creation. Uh, right at the beginning of the quarantine, uh, right when she needed it the most, my wife Sarah's uh, iPhone 11 Pro just started like wigging out and, 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 and it broke it. It was just like, it wasn't anything she did to it. It just like lost its connection to the cell towers and she could only use Wi-Fi and it was really a pain because she uses her phone all the time. And so at about three o'clock, I had a little extra time during the day. It's like, I'll, I'll help and I'll, I'll get on the phone with Apple, right? You can't go to the stores. So we get on that phone seven hours later, seven hours until 10 o'clock at night. We were doing everything under the sun that we could to change and fix this iPhone, right? We were resetting it. We were updating software. We tried like four different computers uh, to hook it up to. It was just ridiculous. And this really nice guy helped us, you know, way to go props to Apple. Uh, They're really patient. But at the end of the day, my wife needed a new iPhone. In the Bible, and even in the Old Testament, it talks about this need for a new heart. This is what it means when it says new creation. We have to stop trying to modify this broken heart. We have to stop trying to do things to it to make it appear to be fixed, to make it seem maybe for a few seconds to to look fixed. We need a new heart, a new creation. And friends, I wasn't there when God created the universe. But what we read in scripture is that God spoke and the world came into being. That by his words, something happened happened. And I was one of those creations. You were one of those creations, right? In the same way that I can't do that, right? I can't bring something out of nothing. I can't just speak and something comes into being. Same with our salvation. Same with the new creation. We can't do it. We can't do it, but God can God can speak into the black darkness of our old hearts and he can bring life to them. He can make new creation 
out of that which is old. Well, how do we do this? We give up and we fall into the arms of Jesus. We rest in him. We realize his sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago is all I needed. I need to stop my self-salvation plans and rest in him. Guys, this, this changes the way you view God. This changes the way you view others, yourself. It changes everything. It opens up your eyes to a new way to live. I have a friend who just submitted his dissertation, which I think was like 476 pages long. And I imagine some of you, uh, maybe you history majors especially, are working on papers that aren't quite that long. Um, But maybe you're working on them and eventually you're going to hand them over to a friend or a roommate and they're going to proofread them. uh, They're going to edit them. I think oftentimes we think of our Christian lives like this, our lives in general, that we are writing this big book and we're going to bring our life's work, our whole manuscript to God one day, to God, our editor, our proofreader, our grader. And we're going to say, here is what I've done. And then we're going to wait for him to redline it, to judge it, to give us a grade. It shows up on Blackboard. There's a great passage in Hebrews 12. Some of you guys did the 3012 challenge. Some of you guys memorized this verse. It's really good. It says this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I chose the New King James Version because I love the word it chooses here. It says, excuse me, Jesus is the author of, and finisher. Other versions say author and perfecter. You could say author and editor. What does this mean? We spend our lives acting as if we are writing our own story, that we are the author. But no, as we see in God's word, God is writing the story and you are a character in it. The beautiful thing about this story um, is that we know the ending. Um, My mom would read aloud to my siblings and I every night before bed. It's pretty wild that she she did that. Uh, But what we found out is that if it was a really good book, and especially a really suspenseful one, after we had gone to bed, she would read ahead and sometimes finish the entire book just so she could know how it ends. Jesus has finished the story already. His ending is our ending. What was Jesus' story? He came to earth. He suffered. He died. He rose again. He is with God in heaven. If you are a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus, if you have rested in him for your salvation, that's your story. God wrote it. You are in it. We are all, as Christians, in this story, and it is a great ending. It is a beautiful ending. As characters in his story, 
We submit to him. We trust him. We know that we are not writing it ourselves and he is not going to edit it and proofread it and grade it in the end, but he has already written it and he's already told us the ending. That's how the gospel changes how we see things. It's how we have hope in this life. It's how we know that even though we don't know how long the situation we're in is going to last, how none of us can predict what's in the future, ultimately we do know the future. It's Jesus who rose, who was with God in heaven. That's where we're going to be forever. This is the gospel. This is the good news that Paul wants us to know. Let me pray that we would believe it. Heavenly Father, would you... Uh, Just give us faith to believe that uh, you have done all the work that needs to be done, that we can have a relationship with you as individuals, as a group of Christians gathered. Lord, we can know you. Lord, help us to love and serve and have empathy and compassion on each other. Lord, may we bear each other's burdens. May we help one another in this season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.